You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Happy freaking New Year. 2023 is here, and so are we back with another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com, and we're still brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right. Thank you guys for joining the show. We appreciate you being a part of this. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello. If you're listening in your normal forms of podcast consumption, we're glad you're here too. Regardless of how you're getting a hold of us and how you're hearing the show, we're so glad you're a part of it. We hope you'll think about taking some time to maybe rate and review us, hit that subscribe button so that all this goodness comes directly to you. You don't even have to go search for it. It'll be there when you're ready as soon as we drop a new show. The calendar has changed, but what has not changed is Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran's commitment to getting y'all the information that you seek. Sherelle, how you living, dude? I'm good. I, I thought it was going to be a better result for, for UNC <laughs> on Friday, and here we are again, kind of up and down. Oh, yeah. Um, Sean, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Uh, Echo Sherelle was a, is a rough one. I'm also having driven down to San Diego for the football football game. I wouldn't even well, tell people so. I did that. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, by the way, this is this is a basketball show, but I'm officially hashtag never go up six. Yeah, uh, ever. That is, that's a rule from here on out in football. Never go up six. Uh, guys, I'll start where you're taking us. Is that loss to Pittsburgh on Friday as we're recording this on January 1, Sunday evening? Um, yeah, you know, the Tar Heels had had, a, I think, a nine or a 10 day layoff traveling to Pitt, 12 o'clock game. There's a lot of different, you know, juju you can look at. But no matter how you slice it, it's a game the Tar Heels had in hand. And much like the Arizona State loss, or the Iowa State loss, they couldn't hold on. Uh, Sherelle, I'm going to come to you first. 76-74, Tar Heels make it closer at the end than it probably should have been. But what I see statistically, Tar Heels had 14 assists on 25 made baskets. They shot 31% from three. From three they had won the rebound advantage. Um, you know, Aside from field goal shooting percentage, they statistically did better in just about every category than Pittsburgh did. And yet here we are talking about another head-scratching loss where they led by what felt like a an insurmountable 10 or 11 late in the game. How does this happen? Yeah, uh, that's the million-dollar question again. We, we kind of do this every couple of weeks where it's like they're playing well, and then there's kind of a loss where it's like, how, how did that happen? And they all follow – I shouldn't say they all, but – a couple of the most egregious ones seem to have followed the same script of UNC playing well early, um, you know, extending the lead, kind of holding the team at bay, and then just kind of a collapse, you know, under the 
after the under eight, essentially. Um, and that happened again against Pittsburgh. To, you mentioned Iowa State. Um, even the Alabama game, I feel like they had that in hand a couple of times uh, and just couldn't close. And that's really surprising for a veteran-laden team that has played together as much as it has and has um, won so many close games over the last year. Um, it's <clears throat> really surprising. And I think that's where the frustration and where the kind of um, puzzled nature of everyone's thinking comes from. Because how can guys so experienced, so veteran, um, you know, that have been through so much, how can they continue to not be able to you know, hold these leads and win these games close? You would think any talent uh, advantage that other teams might have would be negated by UNC's experience advantage, and that's just not happening. So um, that's 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 what's inexplicable. Is it's I don't think anybody has an answer. If you looked at Hubert Davis's uh, post game comments, I don't think he had an answer. He's just kind of flummoxed. And then you hate to bring it up, but you know one of the players brought it up. I I, I never generally try to question the effort of an athlete because they work harder than I could possibly imagine to be the best of the best. But when one of your teammates kind of says, I wonder if we cared, or I, I guess we didn't care, that raises some alarms and some red flags. Yeah. Well, especially when it's come from somebody that's been on the team for a while. Um, Sherelle, looking at it, and I, I was texting back and forth with a uh, guy who used to be a high school coach and, and was one of my teachers for a while. Um, I think watching this team, that they're veteran enough and they're experienced enough to where they think they can flip the switch anytime they want to. And I think the problem is they don't know how to flip the switch. I think that's kind of the way they're wired. Sean, have you ever seen anything like this? <laughs> uh, well, I'm shaking my head in agreement because, you know, to your point, it's like they they know that they flipped the switch last year in March and and made it to the the championship game, and, and it's almost like they're just waiting waiting for March, um, and they think they can flip that switch on, but but knowing that it's going to be much harder uh, to do it, and and same thing. With these games where with with Pittsburgh, for instance, they're clearly a better team, jumped out to a to an early lead, gave it up, built it back up. Uh and then just as you as you and Sherelle said, really just maintained it instead of trying to put really you know, instead of just trying to finish it off early, um, they let them hang around and then Pittsburgh ties it up, gets it close, and they think they can flip that switch, but it's a little too late. Almost the opposite of the UNC at Duke game last year, where I think Duke thought that they could turn on a switch, but all of a sudden UNC was on a roll and the ball was just rolling downhill and they couldn't they couldn't switch it um, in, in time. So, you know, I had that game floating through my head as well as the Iowa State game because I think there there are a lot of similarities where UNC could have put put the game uh, could have built a bigger bigger league bigger lead early in the first half. Uh, they could have gone up. You know, as Hubert Davis mentioned, double digits in the second half, uh, but missed some some big shots. Then all of a sudden, all you need is two or three, and and Pitts right back in the game. Um, yeah, there's that stretch. Where I think it was five turnovers and six possessions. That's that's a yeah. perfect example. It wasn't like it was shooting lights out either. So no, it was one of the things I want to stay here, Sean, and ask you about. Um, it seemed also that you know when Sherelle was laying out the recipe earlier about these losses with Iowa State, it was Caleb Grill. And with Pittsburgh, it was Burton, where you just have a guy that, you know, Tar Heel fans know this. They've seen this. They've seen this movie a thousand times where some dude comes out of nowhere and just absolutely blasts them and is never heard from again. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, before the game, Burton was like third leading scorer on the team. He wasn't even one of their, you know, 
their leading scorer, I don't believe. Sean, how, how can you counteract that when, when a player just kind of gets into the zone uh, in a game uh, of, uh, of this magnitude where the Tar Heels, you know, it's not a must win, but you can't keep dropping games like this. How do you stop that when it's happening? Well, you know, Pittsburgh only had two players in double figures, I believe, on on that one. And it wasn't like Caleb Grill where he he hits his first first few threes, first few outside shots, and then by the end he's he's pulling up from from thirty feet. Uh, this one started going back to the the very beginning of the game. Pittsburgh had taken a timeout. UNC's up eleven to three. They Pittsburgh comes out, misses a shot, and UNC gets the rebound and has a careless turnover. And he gets an gets an open look, and that was really his his first basket. And even uh, I think the second look came uh, between Puff and and Dunn. There was confusion as to who was guarding who, which allowed him a, a second easy basket. So um, a lot of times it is some of these easy baskets that that get people going. Uh, but when looking at this situation, you know, thirteen made field goals, and they were there wasn't just one person. That that he was killing, like in the like in some of the games that have that have gone on gone on in the past. Caleb Love was responsible for a few. Dunn was responsible for a handful. Uh, Leaky, probably one of the more, the bigger ones at the the very last basket. Uh, some confusion in pick and roll in terms of just not just um, you know waving a white flag for the ball handler. And I think I, I would have had leaky on him earlier um or, or just made a more of a concerted effort to to slow him down but at the same time then nelly cummings started hitting a, a few shots when he got open but but i think it goes to not letting somebody have an offensive explosion uh at the beginning and kind of get that confidence because if you have that one guy that can just maintain and keep keep the team in it the rest of the guys will will step up, um, you know, by the time the game the game ends. And I would have liked to, especially on the pick and roll, um, do some of the stuff we were seeing in the Michigan game of, of blitzing the ball screens, getting it out of his hands, uh, because he was just attacking. Uh, some of the shots he was hitting were pretty tough, but you got to make it uncomfortable and, and make some of the other guys uh, continue to take difficult shots. Cheryl, I want to come to you. One of the things I think that North Carolina did down the stretch here. I don't think it was as much in the Iowa State game as it was bad execution in this game. I feel like North Carolina got away from their identity down the stretch and, and what was working specifically with getting the ball to Armando Baycott in the post. And it's not that I think this team is just Armando Baycott, but when he's getting the ball and they're working inside out, I think we've said a thousand times on the show, if we've said it once, the offense is so much more fluid. It gives guys better places, better spacing on the court, uh, just better opportunities for for jump shots to go in. And for whatever reason, I feel like after like the U8 in the second half, if he got <laughs> two post touches, maybe three, uh, I, I would be shocked. It just it, they they went away from it. How do they stop doing that? Or, or I mean, is this one of those things where guys get get kind of lemon booty and they stop thinking? Is it is it something that that the, the coaching staff should be calling timeout and correcting? What's something they can do to prevent that from happening over and over again? Well, I think there's a few things, and uh, I admit this is not something that original but after i went back and looked at it this person made a great point that baycott looked a little fatigued because he's playing a lot of minutes and there's a lot of banging and they play very physical with him so i think part of it you have to look at was he able to post with the same ability that he did in the first half i don't think that's the case because he, he was worn down he was tired he was getting hit a lot um running the floor a lot i mean he's just very active so i think that's one is that it, there's got to be a way to find him more than three minutes rest, you know, during a course of a 40 minute game. 
I personally, I just think 37 minutes is too much for him. Um, and, and it could wear him out, you know, in, in short order. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other thing is, um, you know, <laughs> UNC has these lulls where they just, it, it goes back to the point we started with earlier. How does such a veteran team kind of forget who it is um, for key instances and, and in key stretches of games? Uh, you know, they've seen how well it worked. It, they couldn't guard Armando. You saw how well it worked during the first half and the beginning of the second half. They were struggling with him. He was kind of getting the ball where he wanted. And even if he's not posting as hard as he was because of fatigue, then, you know, you can repost, then you can cut. There weren't cutters. There wasn't a lot of movement. Um, so I, I, I put a lot of that on the other four players on the court, frankly, because um, you got to get him the ball. And if you get him the ball, even if he doesn't score, to your point, you can find cutters, you can find shooters. Now they were missing wide, wide open shots. So that's part of the problem too. And they were um, hitting I, early in the game. Yeah. I, they I, started the game hitting from perimeter. I'm like, oh, this might be a good day. And then yeah. I just think it goes back to the inexplicable question of how does a team so veteran kind of lose its mind? You know, it's five and six minutes, seven minute stretches seemingly every game. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I think is it, that's that's gotta be frustrating to to the people inside the Smith Center. I know it's frustrating to the fan base and Shout out to all the people uh, online who just who want to be uh, who want to be applauded for being right about the team losing again and them being mad last month. I don't understand that, but shout out to all you guys. Congratulations. Tar Heels are going to need to put this behind them once again and start to try to put uh, another four or five game streak together. Uh, they've got Wake Forest on Wednesday night as we're recording this at 9 p.m. Um, they've had a chance to get back home. They had their holiday clinic yesterday. Uh, they'll have a couple of nights. Wake's coming in with two good wins that I've seen so far. Uh, they beat Duke. They beat Wisconsin. Both of those teams are ranked. But they've lost to, to Loyola Marymount. They lost badly to Clemson. They lost to LSU. And they lost to Rutgers pretty badly in the ACC Sean Moran Challenge. Um, Sean, what do you expect to see from this Wake Forest team as they come into the Smith Center uh, looking for a road win late on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, coming coming off the the pick game one and two in, in ACC, now you're you're starting the new year and and really you'll be able to get in the flow of of two games a week, um, going you know going with conference opponents. But for for Wake Forest and Notre Dame, I mean, there there's some similarities just in terms of the the focus uh, on the outside shot uh, and the ability to hit that. Um, you know, Wake Forest they've done a tremendous job in the transfer portal the last last two years this this time around it's Tyree Appleby who's averaging 18 points and and definitely having one of the top in the ACC but you surround him with with shooters um and and you <laughs> surround that with a high volume of shots and you have a recipe to to stay in the game uh so Wake Forest does have a few confusing losses uh got beat pretty bad by Clemson got beat pretty bad by Rutgers but uh they're coming they should be coming in confident uh, having beaten Duke at home, uh, and then uh, having beaten Virginia Tech at home as well, Steve Forbes I think is one of the best coaches in, in the ACC from a schematic uh, perspective and, and what he draws up. And I think that that UNC game, I thought Pittsburgh and Jeff Capel, you know, they, they seem to have UNC's number no matter who the who the coach is. But from uh, from from Rewatching that game, I mean, they did some things with the guards in terms of of forcing uh, RJ into certain certain spots. Uh, they knew when Caleb was going to be coming off, and and Hubert was or the coaching staff was trying to get him an open three, and they were able to defend that. 
Um, and then finally with, with Armando in terms of trying to double him and junk it up a little bit. So I would expect to see Wake do, do some of that. Both Wake and Notre Dame, not the strongest uh, defensively, but as we've seen, you know, if they're hitting a few three, a few threes for, for all of our twos, it can keep them in the game. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it, it just takes a little, little run and, and you can let things get away pretty quickly. So two games that should be winnable, but, but two games that they're going to have to have, um, you know, if not 40 minutes of focus, 30, <laughs> 37 to 38 minutes. Yeah. I'm not really sure if this team is one of those teams that just loves to play at home and can, can bounce back anytime they get into the the friendly confines of the Smith Center. But uh, it's definitely going to be something they have to use in their favor uh, on Wednesday night. Sherelle, when Sean's talking about Tyree Appleby, I'm not kidding when I say this kid is 24 years old. And, you know, we, we make jokes about the transfer portal and all this stuff and the COVID year and all that. Like, this is more of the norm. And while he's 24, you know, North Carolina's got some veteran guards too. Uh, is it just as simple as him being better on defense uh, to to help put teams like this away? I think so. And, you know, I'm going to pretend like I know a ton about Wake Forest and, and what it does and, and how it plays. I can look at their kind of profile. But, yeah, I, I think what UNC has to do um, is once you get these leads, you have to focus defensively. It's, it's not complicated. Um, you know, you get up eight, you get up nine, and it's usually a careless turnover. And then that careless turnover usually leads to a bad foul. And that bad foul usually leads to a quick shot. And that quick shot usually leads to a transition opportunity. So it's just a matter of shoring that stuff up. But, you know, as the football coaches would say, getting in there and cleaning that stuff up. I don't think I don't think by any stretch they're a, a terrible team or anything. Um, Pittsburgh is good. And I think people don't realize that. I mean, they're, they're a solid, solid team right now. Will they be at the end of the season? We'll see. But right now, it, they're, they're a solid team. They're a tough um, out for sure. Yeah. And anytime you can go on the road and win an ACC, it's a big deal. And, and just the fact that they weren't able to hold on, you know, it's again, I, I don't have a lot of context or, or, uh, or words or, or anything from sources or anything like that. Everybody is just kind of befuddled about this variance that has continued now for really the better part of two and a half, almost three years. Yeah. So as, as we're looking towards that game Wednesday, uh, if you need to put the loss to Pittsburgh behind you, which again we mentioned earlier, Tar Heels really need to. One of the easiest ways you can do that is is just change your mindset and and find something that makes you happy. A la Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt dot com. Um, go to Johnny T-shirt right now. It's a new year. They've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you for some reason got a bad gift over the holidays, get something that you deserve. Go to Johnny T-shirt. Use the Inside Carolina Premium subscriber that you can find on the message boards and get your extra 10% off of their already magnificent prices. Johnny T-shirt will be glad that you showed in to support them. We'll be glad to, and you'll be getting yourself some good swag. Uh, JohnnyT-shirt.com right there on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Uh, locally owned and operated, uh, alumni owned and operated, all of the things that make you want to shop there, they got it. Johnny T-shirt, they're friends of ours, make them friends of yours. Let the national guys drop some advertisements in here for a second. We'll be right back with more on this week's Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around, being a part of our first show of 2023, the Jordan year. We Are we officially calling the Jordan year on the show, Sherelle? <laughs> I got a nod from Sherelle. Sean seems to be ambivalent all right i got a thumbs up that works too um i always call it goat year too i guess but that might confuse some people who who strictly adhere to the chinese zodiac calendar um guys let's talk about elliot cadeau since his commitment we did the emergency podcast last week which was a nice holiday surprise for a lot of folks um he played in the jordan holiday classic this past week uh sherelle i'd I'd love if you could kind of give a little bit of of anything you might have learned since his commitment um and just speak to how he played this past weekend yeah, as far as what we learned, we, we haven't had another chance to talk with him directly. So um, kind of what we put out there is, is what, you know, the, the reasoning. Um, I think people were very interested by his comments. Um, if you're a premium subscriber, you can go read those. Um, just about playing time and, and what he expects coming in as a freshman. Um, and I think I will say they do like that confidence. Uh, you know, folks around the program, it's not something they're shying away from, which is another reason that we call this kind of a, a new era of UNC recruiting. Uh, moving forward with NIL and, and all the things that modern recruiting is. As far as his gameplay, it's it's kind of what you expect from him. Uh, it's timely shot-making and scoring when he needs to, but the rest of the time uh, being the primary distributor. And I think uh, one game, I saw clips from, uh, he had 12 assists. Uh, and again, he plays for a very loaded Link Academy team. They are, by most people, ranked the number one team in the country. And so he can focus on distributing. And I think Looking at his decision to uh, commit to UNC, whether it be in 2023 or 2024, I think he liked some of the pieces that North Carolina already has and some of the pieces it's recruiting and and that maybe it leads for uh, that he could potentially play with. And that's a big deal because when you're a facilitator like him, I don't think there's anything more frustrating than playing on a team that guys can't finish or uh, they they can't handle your passes. They don't have kind of similar vision. Uh, So uh, that's what going to Link Academy, you know, leaving New Jersey and going to Missouri. Um, that's one of the reasons he did that was to play with guys on his level. And you can see how well he does it and how he kind of runs a team uh, with Link being number one and him being kind of the, the leader. Sean, anything you want to add about Elliot Cadeau while we're talking about him? No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. They've got a lot of games uh, coming up in, in January, a local game this week and then uh the bass pro showcase which usually you can find a a good live stream on uh between that and and some of the other tournaments they have coming up should be able to get get to watch him him more uh in in the link academy setting uh but as we talked about on the commitment pod he's he's played in a variety of settings and he's able to assimilate into into each of those uh but we'll definitely be really just watching how he how he runs a team continue to watch his, his outside shooting and his, his scoring ability, but it uh, should be fun, you know, between him and also Simeon Wiltshire. It's it's weird in, in New Jersey how late they start. So they just got their their first win uh, of the season. Uh, they played a few real tough opponents early on, so I, b- I believe they're one in three, but 
it's kind of weird to say they only have four games uh, going into the new year, but that just means there should be a lot of um, a lot of games upcoming and excited to see how he's looking as well, um, you know, going going into that 2023. And again, we announced, we mentioned it on the uh, announcement or commitment pod that we did last week, but Sean did a, a little breakdown that's also on the premium message boards if you want to check that out as well. In addition to all of the other content that was put up there, Sherelle's interview, um, all the the breakdowns from everybody about uh, Cadeau's commitment. Another commitment that UNC has in the fold right now that played this past week in one of the Holly Invitationals, local kid Drake Powell out of uh, Pittsburgh. His team played over the John Wall Holiday Invitational, which is one of the oldest tournaments uh, locally anyway. Uh, Sherelle, you want to speak to that at all? Because from what I saw, uh, Cousin Drake looked real good. Yeah, a lot of people we talked to at the national level have been uh, coming back and raving about his performance, those who were at the John Wall. And I think it's just a continuation of what a lot of us saw during the summer in that his game was still burgeoning. It was it was fresh. It was new. Um, and you could see that it was going to be easy for this kid to improve and get better. Um, just the more he played, the more he worked out. Um, one of the, I guess, knocks uh, was his shooting. Uh, I think last year he shot in the 20s from three, and this year he's up around 35%, which is, you know, it's not, you know, it's not Steph Curry, but 35% is, is solid, especially when uh, he is, he's what you key on if you're playing Northwood. So there's that. And then um, his frame. I mean, he was wirely skinny, like just very, very thin, I would say, a few months ago. And you can start to see the work that him and his dad have done in the weight room. Um, He looks more built up, muscular, putting on weight. And that's going to just help him as he moves forward. Um, Defensively, he's always been, you know, that guy, for lack of a better phrase. I've seen him, you know, lock up several top 20, top 25 type players in state, out of state. Um, AAU, high school, whatever the setting. And he continued to do that. He had just a couple of really good, outstanding all-around games. Uh, Joey was talking offline about how do you describe kind of who he is. And I think we said it uh, in August, like he's just a really good basketball player. And I I know that sounds generic and cliche, but he's just somebody who does a lot of things really well. And he's at the point um, where potentially soon he could be doing a lot of things really good slash great. And that's when you know, he kind of take his, takes it to the next level. I we'll strongly recommend anybody who gets a chance to see any of his footage or see him live, uh, please take a chance to see the guy. Because like Cheryl said, we were talking before we recorded the show tonight, and he looks just so smooth and in control all the time uh, and never looks really too hyped up or, or too down. It just looks very steady, I think is a, is a good word. Sean, we had talked when when Drake first committed, you feel like, there's a lot of really positives of his game. And like Cheryl said, he's getting to a place to where he's almost great in a lot of things. How do you usually see a kid like that that's that's kind of a jack-of-all-trades? How do you usually see a kid like that transfer to the college game? And, and what's their ability to, to plug in immediately? Or what's, their, what's the easiest way for them to contribute early on? Is it defense or is it just, you know, get some minutes and find out what, what works that night? Well, yeah, I think in, in terms for, for him contributing – right away it, it obviously i mean it goes without saying his continued improvement uh this this season over the summer into, into next season i think we'll probably be seeing him jump up the rankings if he does continue this but you want to see him in in au play where he's he's making an impact uh there are times last year where uh you know he he, he could do pretty much he's good at pretty much everything but he could but with that he could also disappear at times and not that he's going to be that 
true wing scorer getting getting 20 every time. Uh, but I think we've seen what happens to guys that even if they are strong defensively, if if you're a liability offensively, you're not going to be able to get that that playing time and and everything is made a lot harder when it comes down to to one or two shots. So I think for for Drake um, is continuing just to to get stronger. Uh, you know, continue. He's he's athletic. Continue to to work on the body. Um, but one thing I I've been seeing is it looks like there has been a focus on just the shot mechanics. Um, and if he can continue to be, uh, once again, not you know not Steph Curry or even forty percent, but if he can be a threat um, from outside, as well as using his athleticism to to cut off the dribble, which he's already pretty good at, that can make him. Um, you know, effective right away. I think we've been talking in terms of the commitments. There's a lot of guys that can handle the ball, um, a lot of ball handlers, which he can he can do. But he really is the I'd say the one kind of true wing uh, that Hubert has has recruited. Um, you know, you can talk about Nickel and others as like a three four four three, but he's kind of the one true old school wing. Um, and with that, there could be a lot of a lot of pressure um, on, on that position, depending on how things shake out and, and who's around. But I think in terms of when he is in Chapel Hill, is just continuing to to improve little by little so that he's not reaching the ceiling at, at 17, but he's reaching that at, at 19 or 20 um, and being able to affect the game in a variety of ways. Yeah, you got to think working on his shot mechanics, like you said, and having a another good summer could definitely help him round into you know a legitimate outside threat. Um, Trell, we talk about ball handlers there. Another ball handler that actually played in the uh, Jordan Holiday Classic as well, uh, Ian Jackson, a kid from the Bronx, plays at uh, Cardinal Hayes, six four shooting guard. Uh, he's supposed to be taking a little visit action here on Friday, right? Yeah. So uh, if you had noticed, Hubert Davis is recruiting New York heavily. There's <laughs> another, excuse me, New York kid uh, from the Bronx, uh, actually rated the number two player in the country in the class of 2024. Now. He's another one who has the opportunity, if he so chooses, to reclass into 2023. So that is a part of it. Um, I hate, hate to keep referring to podcasts we've done before, but basically this is the new reality. You have to recruit kids for two classes now, mm-hmm. and you really won't know for some time you know, what class they're likely to go into. Uh, but yeah, he's scheduled to visit UNC on Friday. Um, I think this will be his fourth official visit. Uh, LSU, Oregon, and Kentucky were the other three, I believe. Um, and those are kind of the people you hear most associated with him as far as his recruitment is concerned and where he might end up. Uh, I'll let Sean talk about his game, but just a, a really dynamic, powerful scorer, really good all-around player. Um, I think he's one where there's not a positional need for UNC because they, they've got Timmy Wilcher coming in. Uh, obviously, Kukadoe is there. You know, who knows what uh, Dunn and Trimble. You know, there's a lot of guards on UNC's roster, let's put it that way. So it's not a need, but it's just one of those players that, He's so good that you kind of have to recruit him. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, the, I, I'll never say never, ever, ever again after some of the things that have happened in the last nine or ten months. Um, so, you know, UNC will get him on campus and, and see what happens. I just envision Hubert Davis, like, rolling up in, like, an Audi A7 parking outside the Rucker, just trying to find <laughs> trying to find kids and say, hey, y'all want to come play in North Carolina. Sean, tell us a little bit about uh, Ian Jackson's game. I mean, I I know with the visit this weekend, he's going to be excited to come have breakfast at the Smith Center for the eleven thirty tip against Notre Dame on Saturday. But uh, tell us a little bit about the kid's game for folks who may not know. Yeah, in, t- in terms of what we we're just talking about, that twenty point 
score. He he is that that guy that can come come right in to to college and and easily be a team's team's leading scorer. And and you know if you were to slot him in to UNC, really be that that two guard um, that they haven't had, kind of a more of a true two two guard that they haven't had in a while. Um, you know he's he's a player. He was max prep sophomore of the year last year. Um, I'd say from an improvement standpoint, it has been his outside shooting as he's a guy that is great in transition. Um, good, good with the ball in his hands can get by defenders. He can get, get to the paint. Uh, definitely showed improvement over the summer from, from his three point shooting ability. Uh, so just with, with his rank, um, it goes without saying that he's a, he's a true bucket getter, a true scorer. Um, and, and to Sherelle's point about a reclass, that was something that when we saw him in the last live period and, in one of his Adidas events, it kind of made sense just from he's already playing on this on the U17 circuit, one of the leading scorers. He played for the U17 USA basketball team as well. Um, so in, in terms of does he really need another year of high school? Probably not, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, getting him for a visit means UNC is in the mix, but definitely a guy that even with all the guards that UNC has would would easily be the top top score um out of the out of the young young ones that they have recruited or will be stepping on campus well and certainly um should he make his way to campus we will obviously provide insight and info as as we get it like you're accustomed to getting from inside carolina and from sherelle and from sean uh boys anything else y'all want to add before we get out of here for this evening for our first edition for 2023 sean you got anything um I'll do three, three. I swear things. to God, if this is barbecue, I'm going to absolutely shut the podcast down. No, but I know you enjoyed the picture from from yesterday. Ah, go ahead, sir. All right. Um, w- one one thing that's been a constant concern is is transition play. Um, they've been able to, I'd say, increase transition play. Um, in terms of how they're moving the ball, but there are still times where where it 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 didn't end in, in a quality shot. You know, now some of them ended in RJ threes that, um, you know, he missed, but in terms of just kind of running the break, it, it, it always seems like there's a little disorganized, a little disorganized, not really sure how to fill the lanes, et cetera. So, you know, that's one thing. And that's, that's the thing that can lead to some easy, easier baskets. Um, you know, the bench, we talked about that in terms of Armando playing 37, the guards playing 34, 35, I believe done was the only one that played in the second half up until the end. Uh, I'm still surprised about Puff. I know he got the three fouls, but thought he could have been a good, a good piece, especially given the size that, that Hinson Hinson had. Um, and once again, just trying to, they only made seven field goals the whole second half before the the final, the bank three and the, the nickel layup. So he's a guy that we talked about. It can make things happen. Even if he is, did have a few mental lapses on defense in the first half, he can get offensive rebound. He can crash the board. He can get an easy, easy basket. Um, so that's, you know, f- hopefully between him and, and Nickel, I thought Nickel could have probably um, <laughs> benefited from some from some playing time, especially if they're going to double Armando. And you need somebody that can set up and just be ready to to make a yep. move very quickly. Yep. And then finally, uh, the press. We didn't see any of that um, at all. I, I know we had talked about it. Or they had talked about it, you know, from the Ohio State game. The players liking, uh, obviously, if you're going to do it every game, teams are teams will know it's coming, but they should be prepared for it anyway. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of make, 
goes back to making you the aggressor. And instead of going through those log lulls where you're just trading missed baskets and just waiting for, for, for really the other team to, to go on a mini run, this can try to change some of that flow. So those are the three things in terms of going into the next week and, and the, really the heart of ACC play coming up. Typically only allow you two cents here, but it's a new year, new year. Thanks. So shout out, Sean. Trell, what's up, man? I know you love that adage of new year, new year. You got anything you want to add before we, before we press uh, close tonight? I love it. I was posting it all night last night. Um, no, the only, I, I would say, I don't think anything has come out officially about Pete Nance, about what exactly was his issue, injury, you know, those last few minutes. So uh, that's something I, I'm really interested in because that is a valuable piece <clears throat> for UNC, especially sure. considering how heavy minutes the starters play. So um, that would be a, a big loss heading into a big game against Wake, who, like you said, has a ton of confidence. And then the other thing, now that we're in 2023, I'm curious to see how quickly UNC wraps up this 2024 class. You know, they're we've talked about it. They're kind of looking for, you know, three or four, probably close to the four guys in the class, and they're halfway there now with Godot's commitment. So, um, you know, there's, there's a scenario where before AAU or close to AAU, they could have it wrapped up or they could, you know, go into April when, when travel ball starts and, and expand the, the scholarship offer list. So um, just curious to see how that happens over the next couple of months with potential unofficial visits for games on weekends and stuff. Cause UNC's had two home games since November 20th. So there hasn't <laughs> been a lot of opportunities for guys to, to get on campus and to visit, especially underclassmen. So just something we'll be watching. Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned earlier about Baycott playing so many minutes. I would assure you that Pete Nance being unavailable for majority down the stretch the other night, Probably had something to do with uh, how much Armando was playing too. Um, so yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes open for that, and and hopefully if if if, if the injury is still there, it won't be something that's bothering him Wait, for a long time. And and Joey, just to, to jump in, that that sure. means that Jalen Washington, you know, he's played some, but he could be in for for more minutes if if Nance mm-hmm. is out, you know, for a game or or some time, because uh, you know Will Shaver's out as well. So there's really only one other big on the roster, and that's Washington. Uh, so we'll we'll see what how that goes. Yeah, really hoping that doesn't become a thing that we end up having to watch as we roll over into a new year. But boys, <laughs> I appreciate it. I can't think of a better way to start 2023 than than with the enlightened minds that are you two. So thanks for making the time tonight, as always. We appreciate everybody for listening again. Rate, review us. If you haven't rated and reviewed us before, it's a new time to do it. 2023, we'd appreciate it. If you don't like what we're doing, shoot us a message uh, or send Ben a note on Inside Carolina. Uh, We want to make sure that we're providing and giving you guys the content that you expect out of IC. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Hope everybody has had a great start to their year. Look forward to bringing you these uh, every week as usual. And we appreciate you being a part of our little family here on the Coast to Coast podcast. But for Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, thanks to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. Thanks to John Siegley for producing. I am just Joey Powell. And we will catch you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.